This is Marco, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Episode 221 of The Yellow Wallpot. It's been a while, but Borussia Dortmund finally won their first game in four tries in 2018. A 3-2 win against Cologne, which is uh, something we will discuss in this episode, among other things like uh, the latest interview to FAZ by Hans-Joachim Watzke, and of course a preview of the upcoming game against Hamburg. And for that, join me once again, Konstantin Eckner. Hello, Konstantin. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I'm doing quite well. That is good to hear. And Matthias Zug, who has recovered from his deadly man flu. Wasn't, it wasn't the man survived. flu. It was like the actual flu, okay? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's for, for me. It's really hard to distinct between an actual flu and the man flu. Uh, it's not. Me, it's, it's not hard to distinguish when you actually have the flu. <laughs> then you realize how <laughs> big of a wussy you usually are. All right. Okay. Well, I'm. I'm glad you're back on board, Matthias, to discuss what happened on Friday. A three-two win. Tolian still Tolian goes to his left foot. Good cross. Bashwai. On his debut, has given Dortmund the lead. But it was all from the making of Jeremy Tolian. Chance in behind here for Batshuayi. Gets it ahead of Horn. Batshuayi has scored again. Now he does have his second goal. That's the response Peter Stoger wanted from his Dortmund side. They lead again. 2-1. Very exciting. Eurosport in Germany opted uh, this game to be on free TV. They can play that cut once every half season. And uh, they thought with all the narratives, Peter Sugar coming back to Cologne and, uh, you know, that the ratings would be good. And I guess indeed they were. And the uh, people who saw the game, yeah, they were entertained. Um, Matthias, I guess, uh, <laughs> we, we, we can talk in, in more general terms at first. How important was that win for Dortmund? given that they are in the top four now and, most importantly, ahead of Schalke? Well, it was huge. I mean, it came at the right time against the right kind of team where, on paper, I was like, oh, good, a trap game. Um, but And it, <laughs> and it almost, almost uh, went there. But, uh, no, it was huge morale boost for them. Uh, also a big boost for the new man, Betuai, who, you know, is much maligned by a lot of Chelsea supporters and you know scoring two goals technically three goals and getting an assist um, I think it that was really important for multiple reasons not just the general win but also showing that Obama Young is gone but now you got somebody else who can score goals so it was almost perfect timing the two goals you could see it's like a, the corner goal was stupid. I don't know exactly who to blame. I don't know if we blame Bachuai because he kind of seemed like he <laughs> was of. standing in nowhere. But you can't blame him because he's been there for 20 seconds. 
So it's not like he really knew what to do in that corner situation, knowing what everybody else is doing probably after what, maybe two, three practices at the most, if even. Um, so I'll, I'll call it a, it, it's a 3-2, but it, it felt, you know, let's call it a 3-1 just to make it look nicer. Yeah, why not a 4-1? Because that one offside goal was really, really narrow, where Batshuayi was indeed caught offside just uh, before the halftime. He nearly made it 2 nothing. Um Constantine, maybe we'll stay on Batshuayi because, uh, you know, that was more or less the most exciting storyline coming out of this game. Um In more general terms, now that we've seen his first full 90 minutes uh, for Dortmund, uh, what do you think... Uh, he actually can add to Dortmund's game opposed to Aubameyang. Uh, what can he gain? Um, turnovers, of course, uh, because he, he was involved in four goals uh, on Friday. Um, what can he gain? Is uh, what can he add? Um, uh, yeah, I guess he's just. I don't really know. I just he's. Just what a center forward or or the mobile agile center forward uh, should add, I guess that's what he can do. Um, it's, uh, I mean, his finishing um, abilities were never in doubt. Even at Chelsea, uh, I mean, the narrative was that he f was a failure at Chelsea. But quite frankly, when he played, and even if he just got ten minutes or so. Uh, he often used them, uh, the minutes to, to score or at least look impressive in front of the goal. Um, so I've, I think there is never a doubt that he could be someone who is at least clinical, uh, or somewhat clinical, um, in the box. So, um, that's what he also showed against Cologne. Other than that, uh, we will, we will see, um, going forward how he can, um, integrate himself, how, how Stöger can integrate him into the combination plays. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you, you, you saw it, um, was it the, uh, prior to the first Cologne goal where he just went into no man's land and pretty much, uh, left, uh, Pulisic hind right there and, uh, Pulisic, um, turned the ball over and, uh, Cologne scored a I, I would actually blame Pulisic on this one no, because no, no, no. he could have played the ball earlier. Oh, sorry. Still, um, still not the, the right move to to do uh, in that uh, in that uh, case. By but why? Even if if your teammate uh, should play earlier, you just can't run into at that end. That's that's not what you should do. You have to react, and he did. Yes, um, that is that is true. But and, I and, and, think and quite frankly, he, he has, he has done that in the past uh, at Chelsea. He did the same thing sometimes. Um, he just a little bit stubbornly just made his uh, run and basically expected that he would be fed the ball. Um, but, I mean, that's a minor thing. Um, st there's still some... F I mean, that there should still be um, the possibility to just stop Cologne uh, because Pulisic... Uh, or that the ball was intercepted, I think, uh, somewhere in Cologne's half. So there, there should be enough, um, opportunities to make, uh, to stop Cologne, uh, counter press them and, uh, pretty much put them on a hold, put them on a hold. So, uh, that they score from that situation, uh, 
winning the ball 70 yards um, in front of or away from Berkey's goal, that's, uh, yeah, that says something about uh, Dortmund's uh, counter-pressing in the state uh, it is in. Um, and, I mean, when we talk about the, the match uh, overall, uh, there are a lot of defensive issues going on. And I think um, on a more positive note, but I... Um, he at least looked like someone who um, should feel comfortable in uh, Stöger's system quite quickly. So at least there's not, not like a long spell of matches where he has to get used to everything. I think he can he can be a um, yeah he can look like someone who belongs there uh, quite quite quickly. And I mean even in the Cologne match he basically looked like someone who who has been there for uh, months or years. Um, so. That that's a that's a positive, um, because we are right in the in the middle of the so-called record in the second part of the season. So and he's only on loan at Dortmund, uh, so there's not much time um, before his time at Dortmund uh, will probably run out. So yeah, now or never, I guess. Peter Stöger said at the news conference ahead of the game that it's easier to integrate a new striker than a defender, and basically. Yeah argued that it would be easier to put in Batroy than, for example, Akanji, who also made his debut. But um, uh, I, I guess what was nice that Batroy in his first game already had 41 touches. Um, that's quite a lot in comparison to what Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang does average, um, about 10 or so more. Uh, so you could see he's a little bit more involved. And uh, he, with his physique... And, and the way he can actually hold onto the ball. Although he had a, he had a couple of bad touches there as well. But, uh, in, in general, um, it actually does help to, um, give the wingers a little bit more time and space because he, he is not as reluctant as Aubameyang to really come a little bit towards his own defenders to receive the ball or, or midfielders and drop back a little bit. And that really opens up the spaces on the wings, which, um, yeah, can bring us, I guess, to the next player who had quite a good game, and that is André Schöle, of course, on the wing. Um, he scored the winner. Uh, Matthias, how important? <laughs> I feel like I'm always asking the same question here, but how important was this goal for André Schöle and uh, the performance, I guess, overall, and what do you make of it? Well, given that Dortmund were actively shopping to move him for the remainder of the season, but obviously then... That changed um, also because of Yamolenko's injury and stuff like that. It was huge. I mean, it showed that, hey, he can play football. Um, you know, the one thing about Schule that I don't think anybody can ever really criticize is his work rate. You know, the guy runs a lot. He He's a really good trier. <laughs> you know, everyone's always said he tries really hard. It just sometimes doesn't seem to work that well. Um, but this game, he tried hard and it actually came off and it worked. And I think... The fact that you had a striker like Bachuai in there helped Schürrle's game because of what was just noted in the sense of he could run into more space, also because of holding the ball. I'm pretty sure Peter Bosch was wishing he would have had Bachuai at the beginning of the season. Uh, maybe he still would have been in, in a job, but uh, I think it it worked in his advantage 
to the point where he had more spaces to run into where before Aubameyang would occupy those spaces more often than not. So huge for him. Uh, the monkey is definitely not off of his back, given that he's still the most expensive player we've ever <laughs> bought. Um, he needs a few more of these types of performances. I don't know how many more he's going to get with supposedly Royce coming back soon and Maximilian Philip apparently doing much better already. Um, so it's, it is now or never for, for Andre Schule, that's for sure. Yeah, what's a little bit frustrating of coming out of this game is, of course, that Jaden Sancho picked up an injury because, in my mind, he, you know, really evolved to one of the better attacking midfielders in Dortmund. And um, even more frustrating is that he got basically just his foot stuck in the ground and rolled his ankle, and now he's out for several weeks. Borussia Dortmund, of course, didn't give... Uh, more detailed uh, ETA on 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 his injury status, but uh, yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Um, Matthias, when we look at the lineup that Dortmund posted, um, Nuri Shine, of course, was dropped again. So was Gonzalo Castro um, after their yeah subpar performances. I don't know how else to call it against Freiburg. Um, but Mario Götze was also out with back injuries, which uh, then brought Mahmoud Dahoud into the game. Um, I personally thought he was very poor in his overall game. His decision-making wasn't really great. Passes were overhit. Positioning wasn't great. I honestly don't think he is right now showing or, or he is not the sort of player that Dortmund were hoping they would sign. What's your perspective on Mahmoud Dahoud on, and this game in particular? Well, uh, you know, I tweeted it out when Dahoud was taken off. Um, I was really, really happy. Uh, honestly, unless his, I don't know if it's an attitude problem with him, what the issue is. I wouldn't mind, unless, of course, rotate, and I, I wrote this, unless rotation or injuries dictate, I wouldn't mind not seeing him again because he seems kind of pointless right now. Um, he, aside from one or two moments this season, he hasn't produced at all. Uh, he's had a poor, all, you know, over 12 months, if you go back to his time at Gladbach, last second half of the season with Gladbach, also not that good. There have been some reports that his attitude is lacking at times, and I think you see that. I mean, he was just, I had huge hopes for him. I was like, well, you know, I mean, he's not Gunduan, but maybe he's like Gunduan light coming into it, and so far he's, you know, he's not even Castro light. I mean, he's just uh, pointless to the point where it's like he's occupying space, but he's not even doing that very well. It was one of his worst performances, and that says a lot because, in my opinion, he's had a lot of bad performances or disappointing performances this season, given the potential that he does have. He is definitely not a replacement for Mario Goetze. No, at least uh, so far I have to agree with you. Um, Konstantin, you already alluded to the defensive struggles. Um, it's really weird to watch Dortmund right now because there's hardly any pressing going on. It's, it's rather situational. Um, how would you describe their defensive frailties at the moment? Because Cologne once again averaged expected goals of around two. That's not really ideal going up against the last place team, albeit they're, albeit they're a little bit more in form. But uh, yeah, Dortmund now conceded two goals twice in a row against lower team opposition. What do you make of that? 
Um, I mean, and there are some defensive, or they lack s- uh, some of the players. Let's let's put it that way. Some of the players lack uh, defensive fundamentals, and uh, problem is uh, the current system doesn't hide any any of them, uh, any of those issues, because um, normally uh, Dortmund plays just man to man, and which puts players like uh, Tolian. Um, in a lot of one-on-one situations, uh, in a lot of duels, and uh, where they just, where their their um problems and, and weaknesses, shortcomings can't be hide, and that's uh that's a problem. Um, plus, I mean, there's not really a, a currently there's not really a strategy how to counter press, so any turnover can can be threatening. Um, as we already alluded to. I mean the the first Yeah, Dominic Heinz basically had a he just walked straight through the entire midfield of Dortmund without any pressure whatsoever. Well, you know, you play man to man and he uh gets free of his um of the player who is supposed to cover him, um, to mark him, um or if he just, you know, uh, walk because he gets in behind uh Bajuai and, and, and Pulisic, for instance. Um then I mean there is not one Dortmund player who's assigned to um to to attack him i sure at one point it will probably happen i mean if he gains too much uh, space then maybe but normally uh, that's that's not i mean the, and then the problem is if let's say he walks through the left half space and uh the hood decides to um to move in his direction um great but then the player who had been marked by the hood is open and so on and so on i mean it's just domino um well that's that's basically one problem. Um, number one is that um, the center backs and the full backs, but also the center backs, um, they have just re- fundamental issues uh, in how to position themselves um, a- a- on the offside line. It's just there's there's sometimes too much space between them. There's sometimes uh, one one is moving, uh, one is stepping up. Uh, the other center back isn't really protecting his uh the, the center back who stepped up, so just things like that. I mean, it's over and over. It's just uh, right, right now. I actually would make more of a criticism that the players needlessly drop back, like Socrates sometimes just drops back to avoid being caught out. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that in the situation he does drop back that it's actually helpful to the back line. Well, we know when he steps up that 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 uh, is normally a foul. Just an automatic yeah, but he, he should just stay on the line in some situations, but drops back. You know, ra- you know, there are often situations where he doesn't have to do anything, but he moves anyway. It's weird. Well, there aren't any situations where I don't have to do anything. That's not really a thing. I mean, there's <laughs> always something. I mean, it, it, all. I mean, sure. If if the uh, opposing uh, strikers are frozen, then yeah, sure. Just stay there, uh, but normally there is some movement going on, and so because th- he he knows that uh, he would probably commit a mistake um, stepping up because that's what just happened in the last uh, one hundred matches. Um, he drops back, you know, because he's he's just not he's just not feeling comfortable in his uh, in his current situation. Just just uh, yeah, that's 
basically what happens. I mean, also, 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 if he, if he, I mean, that's actually, I think, sometimes a good thing because Toprak is also someone who shouldn't step up, who should, who should drop back, um, in, in plenty of situations because he is not really the kind of aggressive center back. Um, but overall, I mean, if someone, if, if one of the two drops back, the other doesn't really react and stuff like that, uh, it's just that there's no, uh, career and, uh, um, you know, in interaction or whatsoever. Just, um, yeah. And sorry, that won't change until the end of the season. And if it will change in the summer, who knows? All right. But, you know, if, if we look at the 4-3-3 system, Dortmund also just allows so many diagonal balls played across the field without much pressure. Um, as, as well, Konstantin, if you were Peter Stöger, uh, what exactly would you change? Would you maybe change the, the system, the setup? What were the, the screws that you would turn to make a difference? Um, I guess if he changes the system, if he changes the system, he, uh, would make things worse because, uh, as he has shown at Cologne, um, he has, uh, pretty much a problem, uh, playing systems other than the 442 and the 433. Uh, so I guess that he shouldn't do that. Um, could, could make things worse. I, I, I mean, I don't know if he's self-aware, uh, so, so much self-aware, but I don't think. If, I, I mean, I guess he, you won't do it anyway. I mean, you will stick to the four three three. Um, and um, I mean, if I'm, stu I don't know that the, I don't, I can't answer the question. I've, I've seen the guy at Cologne, uh, especially the past six or or twelve months, and I've seen how horrible their defensive system looked, how how much space they gave up between the lines, how they played a high press and like three guys up, and the rest. Somewhere thirty yards into their own own half, so that's crazy. It was horrible at Cologne at the end. Um, when it worked, it was just a, a very narrow, uh, almost Atletico-like four-four-two. Uh, um, but if you know, if if th that doesn't really work, it just can um, make things really ugly for you. And uh, that what happened at at Cologne, and when he tried to change things, he made it even worse. So, um, and right now, I I can't blame him for uh, the short or the, the weaknesses uh, some of these defenders have. Just that's not his fault. Uh, that's the fault of scouting and and um, decision making on the transfer market. That so that's not his fault. And and he and he he doesn't have the time. Nor uh, the the opportunities and training to you know to to teach some of these uh, players what they have to do, especially group tactical um, mechanisms. That that's that's you need weeks and weeks um, and and maybe even more um, to really uh, work things out in that regard. So I don't think that will happen. What he could do is maybe change personnel here and there. Uh, Akanji could be someone um, who should. We should be featured in the starting um, eleven as soon as possible. As soon as he seems to be ready, um, that's one. Uh, in in midfield, he doesn't really have the options. Um, I mean, of course, Götze uh, is someone who should probably play just because of his um, offensive contributions he can he can make, and also because he's quite intelligent in pressing. Maybe not the best one on one player, but still more intelligent in pressing than the Hoot. Um, same for Kagawa, one of the more intelligent pressing players. 
Um, you, you can find it in Bundesliga, so at least there's something. At, I mean, maybe he, ca- he could use... So, that's that's maybe one thing. When I'm when just thinking about it, that's one thing uh, Stöger could change. Just using um, the, the pressing players we have, you know, guys who understand how pressing works um, to their full potential um, when you use a, a midfield press or a high press, because what's, what's happening right now when you play man-to-man, that's not really pressing, what, what pressing does mean. I mean... Pressing means traps, means uh, um, curve runs, means, you know, uh, forcing the opponent to play through the middle, play through the rings, you know, just forcing the build up in, in certain zones and then um, trying to, to, to force turnovers there. So right now playing man to man, if you play man to man, that just means that, that you aren't really out there, aren't really keen to... to um, to win the ball high up you just you want to stop the opponent but you don't want to win the ball and that's the problem and that's the problem other teams who, who play man-to-man a lot um suffer from that's just you know you 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 aren't really uh, willing or out there to win a ball and make a transition attack just just not what, what you are uh what, what you want to do when you play man-to-man it's just it's, it's more of a, of a safe option I mean, and and uh, quite frankly, there shouldn't be something like that uh, when it comes to Borussia Dortmund and playing uh, defensively. Yeah, but looking at how Stöger setting up the team, I also do not have the idea that he actually will make drastic changes going forward um, because in his mind, I think things are going great because he says, okay, since I've been employed here, I'm averaging two points per game you know if you want to look at it this this way then you are of course right the, but the problem is that uh, Dortmund did drop points against teams they should be beating so you know not all is is ideal right now um though Matthias maybe a couple of words on Shinji Kagawa I I know it's a weekly thing but uh, he really is churning out great performances now consistently Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's playing at the level, in my opinion, that he was playing in his last season at Dortmund when they won the double before he went to Manchester United. Uh, he is, especially now with the absence of Götze and Royce and so on, from an attacking sense, one of the, and playmaking sense in an attacking phase, the most important player Dortmund have. Um, he and and his his pressing his position. I mean, he's he's playing some of the best football of his career right now, which is coming at a perfect time for Dortmund, given some of the injuries they have to creative players, or the fact that players like Dahoud just have decided to not show up this season. So, um, another outstanding performance from him. And what's great is I don't really foresee him going after the season going, I want to leave Dortmund. I think he's, he's had that experience. It wasn't a very good one. So uh, it's it's great to see him playing that way. And when Gutz is healthy again, having the two of them partner up in midfield uh, is is always going to be a joy to behold. Yes, definitely. I when I was <laughs> younger, I was really go- I was sort of excited about Gutz, Kagawa, and Royce all combining, and then of course Kagawa left. So that was never going to happen. Um, Matthias, um, maybe a few words on, on Christian Pulisic right now because he is uh, sadly struggling. 
Yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's it's like he put all of his eggs in the beginning of the season basket, and and now he just has nothing left in the tank. I mean, he's still a really really young player. Um, all players go through ups and downs. He seems to be regressing a little bit to the player that he was, where he, sometimes he just runs into a blind alley where he could pass. There were a few times against Cohen where. I was, you know, yelling at the TV, going, "Just pass!" There, there are open players. Pass to Kagawa, even pass to Dahoud, pass to the player that's in a better position. He would continue running with the ball and inevitably lose possession. Um, it's like he's trying to force his way out of this dip in form, and we all know that that is not the way to do it. That just makes it worse, especially for a young player who again then gets uh, frustrated. I think uh, when Royce is in and when Sancho then comes back and Philip comes back, it'll be more rotation, which I think will benefit Pulisic a little bit. Yeah, still a long time until then, though. Uh, you know, even if it's just three weeks, we must not forget Dortmund soon will play in the Europa League as well. Andrea Molenko, for example, is also out injured. So, um, and you never know how long uh, Andre Schüle actually remains fit because he has been struggling with injuries throughout his tenure at Dortmund as well. So, um, you know, Dortmund are rather thin right now. Um, you know, in, in theory, they have six wingers, but right now it seems like there are only two or three available. And that, uh, of course, is going to be a problem, especially with Mark Royce. If he plays next Saturday, he won't be a starter, but, you know, a sub of the bench. And I don't think that will change anytime soon. So, um, yeah, Dortmund very thin on the wings right now. And they will just hope that, uh, they can turn the form around, especially, you know, Dortmund playing on Friday and then, you know, having maybe one day more to recuperate. Maybe that helps. I don't know. Sometimes it doesn't. I remember Thomas Müller once complaining, saying that the week felt endless in training because there was no game. Um, before we turn our attention to the upcoming game against Hamburg, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what Hans-Joachim Watzke said during the week. Um, first of all, uh, he basically said that when players like Aubameyang or Dembele or Mkhitaryan pull some shady shit, he will put them on the stand. So the, the quote is, I have told the team in no uncertain terms that the next player to try something like that will fail miserably. Miserably, He will have a huge problem. Stocklisted company or not, the next player who tries to put us under pressure by withholding performances or even going on strike will not get away with it and will be made to sit in the stands. They all know that now. That's a public statement that I can measure myself with. Konstantin, um, Hans-Joachim Watzke has said a lot of things in the past, like uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan, Ilkay Gunnar and Mats Hummels will not all three leave in one summer. And he also said that Dortmund are not a bank, yet they are consistently cashing in on their players. Um, so do you actually think this statement will hold up if tested? Um, no, not really. I, that, there's not much you can do, actually. Um, uh, it, it would be careless, I guess, um, to just 
I mean, yeah, you could you could you could uh, show that you are the the, the the stronger of the two in in, in a battle with club versus uh, you know player willing to go, um, but quite frankly, you would maybe win one battle, but not probably the war, <laughs> so to say. Um, yeah, if I uh, no, it's just I mean, it, it won't happen if if like. Uh, I don't want to accuse anyone right now, but if there and there will be someone else uh, who wants to make the next step and leave club, uh, leave Dortmund and and force a move um, immediately, basically, um, then you have to deal with it. What what really what what the biggest problem with with uh, these kind of actions. Uh, you know, made by uh, t take took by um, uh, Young and Dembele was is is like the problem is it it, it really weakens your uh, position in negotiations when it comes to transfer fees and everything. That's that's the biggest problem, I guess, uh, because you you of course want to look strong uh, when you deal with Arsenal or with um, Barcelona or who else, um, and you. You want to demand as much money as you can get, and um, if there's like a player on strike, you don't look like you have every call, uh, every card needed in your hand, and that's the problem. Um, but if you if you say we suspend player X, um, that doesn't really change anything. Um, still, your position in negotiations is is more or less the same. Um, so. Yeah, after all, I guess, um, I mean, it's just, uh, what's good talk? It's just tough talk, but, um, he has said our things, stated our things in the, in the past and they didn't really come true at the end. And, um, I don't know, maybe, he, I mean, you can, of course, um, call, call him out on it, but, um, after years and years, uh, basically listening to what, what's good, we know that, he's sometimes um, not too taken seriously. Matthias, um, the team basically were so happy that, and I think Andre Schüller said it, uh, Peter Sugar, of course, said it, that you know they are just so happy that now peace and quiet is back after the entire transfer saga. Um, do you think if you actually put a player on the stand um, like Watzke, alluded to with what he will is that do you think that will actually help bringing back peace and quiet no not really i mean when you have petulant immature selfish players um it only gets worse because their behavior gets worse it's like dealing with a petulant child uh you send them to their room they're just going to continue on screaming or yelling or pitching a fit and and this is no different I think, um, though I agree with Vatska in the sense of, you know, not standing for this crap, I think it also comes down to saying what kind of players don't want need to bring in, and that is not bring in those type of, let's call it extravagant players uh, that are, are very, very egocentric. And if a player says, I want to leave, probably facilitate a transfer in a better manner, in a quieter manner, as far as keeping it internal. I think that's that's the key behind it. Um, not making it a big public ordeal, but instead 
telling the player, okay, fine, you know, you want to leave. Um, I believe it's a player's right to leave at any time. Uh, if I want to leave my job, I leave my job. That's, that's perfectly legit. Um, but you tell the player, okay, fine, you know, we're going to sell you, but you need to wait until the end of the season or until the next transfer window, and then we'll do our best. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Uh, just because these are the financial ramifications of a transfer. And I think that's, that is what Dembele didn't give them. That's what Obama Young now in January didn't give them was that opportunity to do it. And by their behavior made the whole thing worse all around, putting Dortmund in an awkward position. Arsenal and Barcelona's behavior didn't help either, who were extraordinarily unprofessional in what they did as well. So I don't think you can have that extreme hard line. I don't think it'll benefit, but I think it's a it's the right thing to say given what happened. Yeah, it's certainly maybe maybe like a prophylactic statement, you know, just just uh, to maybe ensure that players will think twice before doing such a thing, you know. If if they do, of course, you gotta sell them in the end, just uh, for the sake of dressing room, I guess. And um, because I failed to do last episode, I really just want to once again point out how selfish the entire behavior was by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and how ridiculous the Instagram post that he posted, you know, his farewell message reads, you know, the crazy boy thing. Just because it really showed after... You know, he was gone, you know, how big the relief was that Serenity, in quotation marks, is, you know, coming back. And, uh, you know, that turbulence were caused by him fully on purpose. He knew exactly what he was doing. He said he made mistakes and was maybe not the best way to go about it. But uh, nevertheless, um, you know, I, I just think... You know, at this point, you are not a team player. Football is a team sport. And uh, the way he behaved, uh, yeah, really damaged Dortmund in, in several ways. And, uh, you know, that really, um, yeah, puts really a, a dark spot on his uh, Dortmund career, I guess. Not that he cares, apparently, but, uh, yeah, nevertheless, uh, yeah. you know, I just wanted to once again point out how freaking selfish that was and how infuriating it is to deal with people like that i mean he's my age and uh, he of course is already a, a father of two or three i don't i don't know i i just expect better of him to be honest well i mean stefan to your point if you just compare and contrast his departure to that of Lewandowski, i mean Lewandowski, the the annoyance wasn't the player it was his his agents um, everybody knew he was going to leave. Everybody knew he wanted to leave, but he showed up. He worked. He was still part of a team. He didn't disrupt the team dynamic. And, you know, the same can be said of Gunduan and so on. And that's, that's the huge difference. Um, they were team players. Obama Young is just about me. The fact that he, that Instagram post that he referred to himself in the third person just made me roll my eyes. Um, and I agree with you that. Through that Instagram post, through his, his his calculated, callous behavior at the end, to me, that puts a huge blight on his entire time at Dortmund. 
So I understand Vatska saying what he did also out of the, honestly, out of frustration. He's pissed. And he has every right to be. Yeah, there are stories um, about Robert Lewandowski being really, really pissed um, after he learned that uh, there was not going to be an immediate move in the, in the summer and that he had to wait. But he showed up and worked. Season. Yeah, but he showed up. Yeah, he. There, there are stories of uh, Lewandowski being absolutely furious somewhere at the gas station in Dortmund. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, as as you said, he showed up and he, he in the end. Uh, behave professionally albeit uh, i still believe that you know you ultimately control your own agents and if they are paying it sort of reflects upon you but uh, be that as it may you know it, it wasn't really much of an issue within the dressing room as as uh, all the negative headlines running over me and definitely were now for dortmund um and that i guess brings us more or less to the next Watzke quote, um, he said, we urgently need two or three players who exude this extreme winning mentality, who are hungry and capable of getting angry from time to time. Friction ensures dynamism. We must re-establish an optimal balance between technically high-quality football and a winning mentality. So um, does that mean Dortmund will sort of consist of 11 Schürrles or Rodes? Or what What exactly is Watzke's point? Can players not be technically high-quality footballers and, you know, have a winning mentality at the same time? I personally think they can. Just look at Christian Pulisic. Um, Konstantin? Uh, I... Pointless discussion, I guess. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I, 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 on the one hand, uh, if, if you, if you just want, um, sure. I mean, if you just want, uh, these yes men, basically, no, 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 that's not the right word. Sorry. Um, if you just want these kind and polite and, uh, not edgy players, who, but who at the same time aren't really uh, making a difference on the pitch, well, all right, then congratulations. You are, um, Freiburg, I guess, also. <laughs> it's, it's just not really working. And, um, Dortmund is in a position where, uh, you, you will get players, uh, who are at that kind of, uh, level, you know, borderline, top class, world class, maybe, um, but who figure out that at Dortmund, they won't really be, um, paid like a world class player or maybe even, um, feud considered as a world class player because they are still playing at Dortmund's, you know, number two, number three in Germany. Um, and they know, you know, if I, especially someone like Pulisic or, um, Sancho, um, English speaking players, I, they know that the Premier League is the, is where they probably have to go to, um, make the next step. It's not. It's not always about um, uh, trophies or uh, you know what you can accomplish as a as a footballer, like as a, in a pure sense. It's 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 also about what you can achieve in, t in terms of commercial success, um, uh, financial success, and um, I guess they know that um, playing in the Premier League, for instance, is. Uh, what brings in the the big um, endorsements and um, what gets you a, a, a much more uh, a higher paid contract? So 
yeah, it's it, it, it is what it is. Um, typical footballer answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is uh, you know to pick up on your argument, which is why I actually see Robert Lewandowski joining Real Madrid sooner than later, just because uh, you know if you want to build your own brand, you can't do that better. It's such a club than at Bayern Munich. Um, and especially in his, in his case, I think it's it's even something else. It's that uh, like he has um, for himself, he has decided that uh, staying at one club for X amount of years, you know, longer than four or five, uh, will you know you you lose a little bit of your um, of 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 what you what made you special. Uh, and, and that's it comes down not to his performance on the pitch, but you know how he's viewed as a player. Um, so he thinks like a move from Dortmund to Bayern brought him exposure, and you know it it brought him to the next level. And then a, a move to another big club from Bayern will bring in you know new headlines, um, a new big money contract, more money of course uh, than he would earn at Bayern. So yeah, that's uh, I guess I mean it's it's not the uh, the um, dumbest idea of how, how uh, football works actually these, these days. Yeah, but to stay on subject, um, Vatsko also said the team that won the 2011 and 2012 Bundesliga titles weren't as good as the, today's team, but they had the best mentality imaginable. Um, Matthias, obviously there is going to be somewhat of a overhaul in the summer. Vatsko already alluded to that. In, in the same interview, I will not read out the full quote, but, um, are Dortmund being too nice? I, I, I mean, as, as Constantine said, I think those discussions are somewhat pointless, but, um, what do you think urges Watzke to make such statements? Well, I think he sees a certain level of complacency sometimes creeping in and, and, you know, going back to his, you know, winner mentality, from back in 2011, 2012, you also can't forget who the manager was. And that was Jürgen Klopp. And you can't compare anybody who's come after Jürgen Klopp with Jürgen Klopp. Thomas Tuchel had a winning mentality. He was very driven, but he didn't inspire it in his players because of the way Thomas Tuchel is. And then Bosch, obviously, uh, it, it didn't work out. And Peter Stöger is also not that guy. And, and I don't foresee Peter Stöger staying past the season. Um, so it, it comes from the top. It comes from a Jürgen Klopp-type manager. It comes from players that at that time were in their prime but weren't world beaters. You think of Nuri Shahin, Nevin Subotic, uh, Marcel Schmelzer, Lukas Piszczek. They were in their prime, but they weren't world-class players. And these were teams pre-Marco Reus as well. You had Kevin Großkreutz. You can't forget about who had that winner mentality, whose attitude as far as work rate and just giving everything for the sake of winning far surpassed any talent he had or has. So it's... And, and I think they thought maybe they found it in a in a Rode or a Castro. Obviously, Rode is hampered with injuries. Castro is hampered by the fact that he's so inconsistent. And, and, and Castro doesn't have that same mentality. But you can find those types of no, players. No, he's from Leverkusen for yeah. crying out loud. <laughs> but you can find those types of mentalities where it, it outweighs the talent 
Um, and I think that's incredibly important to have that balance, not so much in your attacking players, but more in your midfield players and your defensive players because they need that great determination. I mean, Subotic, uh, sorry, uh, Socrates has that, but I feel like he's past his prime now. Uh, Topak, I don't know. I mean, I, I was never a huge fan, so it's, it's, it's hard to say, even though he made a lot of crucial tackles against Köln. And then the players they've... 16 clearances. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the players they brought in, Akanji, I can't say. He's he's young. I, I haven't seen enough to see if that mentality is in there or not. So we'll just have to give it a little bit of time. But I think I agree with him that the overall has to happen that the players who give up where the mentality just isn't right, even though I'm a big fan of his because I think he's a, a very good attacking player. But I think, you know, Yamolenko, you have to say is probably a bust in that aspect. Dahut is a clear bust in my opinion. He has no attack no determination and mentality aspect that Vatske is looking for. I mean, he's clearly a failure when it comes to that. So you need to replace that. So that's Yeah, I would put Rafael Guerrero in the same bracket actually. Yeah, who's who's regressed this season and I think Tuchel's system papered over the cracks that he showed in his game. Um so I think yeah, there there are a few of those players who are like, okay, time to move it on. It didn't work after a year or two. And bring in players that are maybe less flashy, but have a bit more grit about them to get it done. Because if you look at, at Bayern, they do have those grit-type players as well, as well as the flashy players. Sometimes they combine both, but... You, you definitely, definitely need that. And I think that's one of the key areas that Dortmund is lacking, aside from like, oh, we need a real new left back or we need a new right back, a new center back. Um, you need to combine those those traits. Yeah, which is why we all like the sport, because it's so complex, you know. <laughs> there are just so many aspects you have to consider when making a signing, and uh, it can go wrong for so many reasons, uh, or right for so many reasons, but... Uh, yeah, you always need to have the entire mosaic in your view, basically, but also, you know, wonder about every tiny piece of the puzzle, I guess. And uh, yeah, it's at least good to note that uh, Michael Sorg and Hans-Joachim Watzke now more or less have publicly stated that um, there will be quite the overhaul coming this summer. Uh, the extent of it will, of course, be determined by uh, how the second half of the season goes. But um, yeah, there will be changes in the summer. It was interesting that um, Bild actually named a couple of players and uh, in there were Marcel Schmelzer and Nuri Shahin. And the argument there was to basically break up the hierarchy within the team. And to do that, you get more or less have to kick those two out. Uh, I don't know how much truth... Is in there, but uh, it's it's definitely so that uh, they do have a point for once. Um, anywho, um, we have still a lot of time to talk about Borussia Dortmund's overhaul, and uh, that will not happen until next summer. So um, for the time being, Dortmund now have to focus uh, on Hamburg of all teams, um, who are right now with 17 points the 17th place in the Bundesliga and they only scored 17 goals. So, uh, you know, that doesn't really sound great. So Matthias, is this a trap game? No, 
No, in, in the past I would have said yes, but Humbug are just so bad. They're so so bad. And you want to talk about the 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 technical qualities versus mentality. Humbug have some talented players, but somehow between the ears they just can't get it done. Um I don't see this one as a trap game as it would have been in years past. Also, just I just don't see it. I I, I don't see it from, from the bench, from the manager perspective. Uh, I don't see it from the players. I just think they're a very, very bad football team. And that's why, for once, the Humbug match, I don't see as a trap game. Yeah, just to, to put some more numbers to it, they uh, have lost four and drawn four in their last eight games. So that's not really... Um yeah encouraging for them their form is pretty poor right now um their center back Konstantinos Papadopoulos well no Kyriakos Papadopoulos is his name uh is suspended uh he is leading the surprise, team surprise surprise yeah he's he's leading the team in clearances interceptions shots blocked and aerials won so um I guess that's good news for Dortmund because I, I guess he is somewhat of a leader in the team and uh, also good news just uh, for the sake of ankles because he's some he's pretty brutal <laughs> I guess that's the the easy way to put it um Hamburg are the team that have the lowest amount of uh, passes completed in the league and with that of course also the lowest accuracy in the league they are the only team that uh, is below 70 in the uh, pass completion so you know, that tells you one thing and uh, they whip in the third most crosses in the league. Uh, every fifth pass or so is a, is a cross and uh, only Augsburg and Schalke produce more crosses. So um, that, you know, more or less already paints a picture of what a dreadful team Hamburg really are. And uh, I think this is finally the year where they cannot avoid the drop, especially with Hollerbach now appointed manager. Konstantin, I don't know if you had the pleasure to watch a minute of Hamburg play. Do you think that Hollerbach actually made a change? Because I must honestly say I don't have the patience to really watch a Hamburg game this year, but, uh. Okay. How, how would you how would you describe their style in general? I don't think it changed too much. Uh no, we're not not really. Um, although I have to say against uh, Hannover, um, that plenty of ball uh, possession. Um, sure, I mean they conceded in the thirty fifth minute or so, and then from from there it was all Hamburg basically. They just tried to to score an equalizer, which happened in the 86 minutes. Um, so it took them, um, yeah, sure, an hour. Yeah, but there was from a set piece and Hamburg never really looked like they were going to force something. Hannover well, you, you are really passive. I wanted, I wanted to ca- come to the point you asked me how they play and I just wanted to make uh, one point and then uh, just, just, just let me talk. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, seriously. Um, what... So Hollerbach was a uh, Würzburg coach uh, until last summer uh, when they were relegated to the third division. Uh, Würzburg play, he played with them in the in the second, um, and he often had a system back five, um, two counter strikers up for cou- counter attacking oriented strikers up front. Um, yeah, and, and just you know did the old um, we win the ball at the back and then just uh, play. Vertical at at um 
uh, as often as possible. Uh, he did that um, in in several phases uh, during his stint at, at Würzburg, and he basically copied that um, just when he came in at Hamburg. Um, same, pretty much same formation, uh, same approach. Uh, even the player roles, you can compare that a little bit at least. I mean, now he uses uh, Kostic as a, a as a striker up front. Um, you know, back then at Würzburg, he used Daniel Notch or um, as, as someone of a counter-attacking striker or even Valdearma and, uh, you know, coupled with, with uh, Soriano. So now it's Kostic and, Bo- and Bobby Wood or maybe Kostic and Arp uh, soon. So, yeah, that's that's just what it is. Uh, back five... Um, Got Ekdal uh, in, as a holding midfielder, so you got another uh, physical player um, right there in front of your def- defenders. Um, and even Wallace is like a typical um, you know, transition player um, in, in midfield. So that's what they do. And um, Hamburg, they don't care about uh, playing pretty. They just uh, want the points to for another year. As you know, keep their spot in the Bundesliga. I don't know if it will really work. Will work out um, just because there are other teams in the relegation zone who are on the relegation battle currently, who are um, much more sophisticated when it comes to possession football and and uh, attacking football in general. Um, so what what Dortmund has to expect is just that there's there will be a team sitting deep with uh, six players at least around um, um, the the penalty area, and then. A few players who will put a, put on pressure on um, Weigel and and uh, Dahoud or whoever will play and yeah so it's if if Dortmund is lucky they get um, an early goal if not that will be some training experience there. Yeah, I, I guess we are in for a wild grind of an afternoon, yeah. uh, Matthias. Mario Götze is supposed to be back for this game, and uh, I guess that means Dahoud is dropped to you. Would you make any changes to the lineup that faced Cologne? I don't know if you really can. I mean, I'd like to see Akanji in there, um, but I don't know how far along he is. Other than that, you know, with Sancho's injury now and basically every winger injured... I kind of predict to see pretty much the same team we saw against Köln. Obviously, uh, Götze being the difference. Um, and and that's about it. And then maybe Marco Royce coming on after 70, 75, 80 minutes, depending on how the match goes. Uh, other than that, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised to see the same squad simply down to lack of depth right now and just injuries. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he could tinker with the midfield because Castro and Shine are not injured, but I'm not sure he will. Um, but then again, I can't really predict what Stuga really does. But my my hunch would be that they also will feel the same lineup and then bring on Royce for Pulisic around the 70th minute or so. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait really until the lineup or whatever to fully know whether Royce actually will be in a squad or not. Of course, big boost if he is. But uh, yeah, if he isn't, I guess he'll make his comeback. Maybe in the Europa League against Bergamo on the following Thursday or so. But that's a game we will talk about next Monday. So you can listen to that 
preview on Tuesday. Um, Matthias, anything else to add? Konstantin, anything else to add? Otherwise, I would say it's time to wrap it up. Nope. I hear your head shaking. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, Konstantin, you uh, may go first with your prediction for that game. Um, I I guess Dortmund will struggle to score early on, but uh, after uh, scoring one, um, the floodgates are open. So, uh, free. Three nil. I, ho yeah, that's, I hope that, that's that's a solid prediction. I I, I don't know if uh, Hamburg will score a set piece, but uh, sure, you never know, or or even counter attack. Because like right now at Dortmund, it's not defensively; they are just not solid. So <laughs> you, you never know, really. But um, yeah, I I, I think uh, after scoring one goal, um, I think that just Hamburg will collapse, and that's why I go I go with a three nil, and I hope that but, will be true at the end. The thing is, you can never really be sure what sort of Dortmund will show up because, you know, in theory, Dortmund also should have easily dealt with Freiburg after going up early, but then sort of shot themselves in the foot, became really complacent and, uh, yeah, also considered a couple of freak goals. <laughs> I mean, Nils Petersen's strike from uh, 40 yards out was nice, but uh, I don't think he scores that sort of goal, uh, you know, on a weekly basis. Um Matthias, what's your prediction? Uh, I'm going to go with the same goal difference, but slightly different score. I'm going to go 4-1 to Dortmund, and uh, I think Bacuay will at least get two of those. Hmm. Feeling very upbeat about this game. I, I Well, uh, Hamburg just suck. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, maybe it's that sort of game where Dortmund really uh, get the uh, attacking juices flowing. I... I'm not sure, but, you know, with Batshuayi in there and, and doing his thing and uh, maybe opponents not being quite ready yet to adjust to that, uh, maybe Dortmund just have that sort of opening right now. And as you pointed out, Hamburg aren't really good. And, uh, you know, their goalkeeper, Martinia, is also not the sort of one who I think will have the game of his life. So um, I'm also saying 3-0 Dortmund. So there. And I guess that wraps up the show for this week. Matthias, thanks again for coming on. Pleasure as always. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Matthias Suk. Very well. And Konstantin, where can people reach you and find out about your work? Uh, Twitter at CC underscore E-C-K-N-E-R. Very nice. As, and, as uh, always. As always. I'm, keep, and, I'm keeping yeah. to the gimmick. It's just, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, you also want to tune in to Konstantin uh, and my podcast, which is The Fußball Nation. You can find that on thefußballnation.com where we talk a little bit more about, you know, general topics. And uh, otherwise, you can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. You can get in touch with all of us at Yellow Wall on Facebook, on Twitter. And if you want to read our written content, do that on yellowwallpod.com, where you can also find the uh, channels where to subscribe, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, that is. And if you want to leave a review on iTunes, we are all very happy about that at all times. If you want to support us financially, please go to patreon.com slash Wall and leave a buck or two. And yeah, from me, that's everything. Thank you for listening until next week and hoping for a good game against Hamburg. Goodbye.